Faster than a speeding bullet. More powerful than a locomotive. Able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. Look, up in the sky, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's Superman splaining with me, David Yoder, and my uninformed friend, Dennis St. John. Hey, I'm Dennis. I don't know anything about Superman. Yeah, and I'm David Yoder. I'm here to tell you, Dennis, about Superman. And also, for some reason, the, the like, 19 other annuals from 1994, the Elseworlds annuals, that's what we're here to talk about today. 20, 23 f- comic books that are, like, 50 pages on average, at least, like, all, all of them. This is the annual episode where Yoder goes insane because he makes himself read 12 annuals or whatever. It's 23 this time. 23 I, annuals. Good Lord. Uh, I let, I read half of them while I had COVID and I was <laughs> in a hotel room because I wanted to make, try not to get my mom sick, but then she got sick. Anyway. So yeah. So who knows what this is going to be like. Yoder is a good guy, but some of these might be fever dreams he had. Maybe, yeah. They definitely feel like it for what just the 90, 90 things, and also like some of the terrible things that are in these comic books. Yeah. Which I shared some of those yeah. with Dennis in advance. <laughs> that was a little shocking thing to get. <laughs> Sorry. You know, because uh, um, we'll get to it when we get to it. Yeah. But uh, I don't think of... You know, I know 90s super, superhero comics are trying to be a little edgier because they're trying to keep up with image and stuff. But I still think of them as, like, DC Comics especially. I still think of, like, what DC Comics were like in the 60s. And even a little edgier version of that, I don't think of being what this one is. Yeah, some of them, instead of Elseworlds being at the top, it could have said Edgelord at the top of the title, maybe. Um, <laughs> That's good. I've DC I've, Edgelords. <laughs> I've been working away at transcribing all my notes into a document that I can read coherently, hopefully, and then taking blurry photos with my phone of if my phone had an AI consciousness, it would be like, why do you have like hundreds of pictures of these 90s DC comics? I got a package in the mail today, though, that I didn't even know very appropriately. It's a, a giant McFarlane toys and his space bike. Uh, that's pretty dope. I'm pretty excited to play with that, uh, but now's not the time for fun. Now's the time for <laughs> Elseworlds. Do we want to have a little segment where we show off our newest toys? Do you have some new toys? I have uh, this giant-sized Betty Bones that I contributed the Kickstarter for. That's really cool. I like that you can see skeleton half and non-skeleton yeah. half. Half, half a beautiful lady, half a green skeleton. Is that an established character that I just don't know, or is... I don't really know it. It came with, um, shoot, I have it around me somewhere. Her skeletons like green like kryptonite. Playing cards of her, or not playing cards. Trading uh, cards? Trading cards of her from different artists. So like, oh like yeah. That. I think they're just kind of, I think it's just a character that the company created, you know. Well, that's a cool thing. It. I almost forgot. Yeah, so we have trivia. That's part of the show too, right? I think. Oh yeah, let's do it. Okay, so you get... Five points for a correct answer without any choices, blind guesses. That could happen this time. Who knows? Anything could happen. Two points for a correct answer. Anything Lit- could happen. It's the Elseworlds. Yeah, literally. Yeah, anything. <laughs> Some things I wish didn't happen. But the bonus question is double points. 
you get a reward for every 50 points that, Dennis, you can read a Superman comic of your choosing. You're not going to um, do a trivia question for every single No, no, just I have four <laughs> trivia questions for the Superman annuals. Okay, all right. Oh, I, I should set up. I, I did tell you I made folders where, like I said, like no peeking and stuff. Part of that is that, so I read them in order by the titles, and then I went back and read the Superman stuff last. But, like, there's no order to it because all most all of them are like taking place in their own world so okay. then i did a random number generator where i put them in a random order and i like so in between each superman comic there's like six of the other ones or so oh my gosh and then wow. I, I have just have those numbers of one through six and then when we finish the superman <laughs> i'll have you pick a number between one and six and then we'll do one of those so it's randomizing the randomizing I think I have gone crazy a little bit. From <laughs> yeah. just this... I don't fully understand what's happening right now, but I understand. <laughs> I'll just ask you to pick a number. That the the uh, the annuals led you to this. They yeah. did this to you. Yeah, they did it to me. Um, oh boy. Okay. <laughs> so you're at 430 points. If you get 20 points, then uh, you know you get to pick a comic of your choosing. I get. I think I told you this off air before we started record, but for our listeners. This may be a two-part episode because it's a crazy amount of comics to try to cover. So at the halfway point, we might be like, yeah, okay, we'll come back for the rest. <laughs> we'll just see how it goes. But your first... And you'll know as a reader if this is titled Elseworlds Part 1 or not. As a listener, yeah. They will. Oh, yeah. Are they reading our esque, uh, adventures somewhere? I don't know. Sometimes I claim I've read books that I've just listened to the uh, audiobook version. So That counts. Reading and listening are almost the same thing to me. Yeah. Okay. In Superman in Action Comics Annual Number 6, what is the name of Cal-El's great-great-grandmother? Um, Great-great-grandmother. So she wouldn't be an L... Or maybe she would be. I don't know. She's a human on Earth because there's a. It's a twist because oh, this is Elseworld. Elseworld. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Martha Washington. Ooh, okay, first and last name. I only have first name choices for you, so let me give you those. Martha. Martha. Why did you say that name? My <laughs> great great. great. <laughs> uh, okay, so A. Eliza, B. Elena, or C. Eloise. Eloise. Oh. Put a little too much sauce on that one. It is actually Eliza. Uh, but see, I was doing I like Lana. Do little Elo- knowledge of this. Lois. Huh? <laughs> like Eliza Doolittle? I oh, have. I, I do I, little knowledge of this. Okay. <laughs> I don't know if that's what they were going for. But yeah, let's talk about this first annual. It's. Is this a Magnolia cover? It is. I think all of the Superman comics annuals have Mike Magnolia covers that's pretty dope and maybe one of the batman ones does as well we'll get we'll find out this one there's like a superman with kind of like a british getup tearing a uh can not conf- uh the flag of america from like the colonies with yeah like the, like the original american stars. flag with the 13 stars yeah. yeah and uh this is superman in action comics annual number six legacy is the title John Byrne is the author, uh, and as in, he does the pencils, inks, and I think he even does the letters on this comic, so that's kind of fun, that it's a John Byrne comic. Yeah, that's cool. And there's also a backup story called Doomsday for the Fifth Dimension, 
Dennis Yankee is the does the plot and art on that, and Louis Simonson does the script, and that one's pretty fun as well. To set the tone for what Elseworlds is, and so everyone can get a grasp of it, Dennis, could you please read number one? <clears throat> yeah, okay. So you've... All right, let me do little vocal exercises to get into this voice. Okay. A dimension. Dimension. Not of sight or sound, <laughs> but of the mind. A simple children's game. The Twilight Zone. Is that good? Does that sound like him? It doesn't have to be spot on. I was just thinking in that range. <laughs> Elseworlds. A universe of infinite impossibilities. Where familiar faces are no longer familiar. In Elseworlds, heroes are taken from their usual settings and put into strange times and places. Some that have existed, or might have existed, and others that can't, couldn't, or shouldn't exist. This is one of them. Ooh, the Twilight you. Zone. No, Elseworld Zone. <laughs> the Elseworld Zone. The scary door. <laughs> the scary door, yes. So that's that's what Elseworlds are. I'm going to throw it out there now because I think I'll be saying it other times, but it's basically DC's version of like what if comics that like Marvel mm-hmm. had. It's it's not canon, it's alternate yeah, reality. This may be though like starting out is like one of, if not the best of the bunch, in my opinion. I mean... Yeah, right. Starting out strong. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's all downhill after this. Uh, there's some peaks and valleys, for sure. Uh, John Byrne definitely understood the assignment of alternate timeline and to throw in some other science fiction ideas as well. And as I already said, the backup story is a lot of fun, too. We'll get to that. So, instead of baby Kal-El sent to Earth in the 60s or whatever, it is Gar-El, <laughs> grown man from the house of L and Krypton and he lands in London in 1780, 1768. And when he, when he arrives, he already has powers because he like put radiation in his ship to match the yellow sun to like give him a starting oh, <laughs> advantage. Okay. Yeah. Uh, also he wants to be called the warlock Royal. That, that's just like, it's like, I think that name's cool. <laughs> and because he's British, he helps King George the third he goes to the Americas to stir up some trouble with the Founding Fathers and brings them back to England and just hangs them all. Whoa. So so much for America. So much for the rest of the world, pretty much, because cut to 1987 and all the world is a crown colony and Garel is in charge. He's calling himself the Sovereign. Um, and Ka- Kalel is the great-great-grandson and he does not have any powers. So that's oh. kind of interesting. But Garel is still alive. Yeah, oh. we'll see him as we. So go. that could be. I feel like that was a question years ago in Superman if Superman was immortal or not. And well, kind of I think John Byrne's thrown some of his own like sauce in here of like what he thinks would John happen sauce. because of like Kal-El not having powers and some other things that we'll get to. <laughs> okay, uh, all right. But yeah, so Kal-El he goes to destroy the printing presses of the Daily Planet run by Peregrine White and Lois works there as well. And Cal likes Lois, especially when she needs blonde Derek in the groin. Uh, Derek is like part of the super Nazi regime. I, I would call them super Nazis because they have like armbands that say that have like the Superman uh. symbol on them. But it's it's all it's all very British. It's like things kind of stuck in the style of like clothing and like Yeah, technology like, stopped after um 
Garel got in. Like, we weren't advancing after that. Yeah. He's like, it doesn't need to get better than this. It's fine. Derek has them whip Perry, and Perry dies. And Kal-El doesn't like that. He thinks there's definitely something wrong about this world that his great-great-grandfather has created. So Kal-El tries to talk to Sovereign about the situation, and Garel thinks that Kal-El's been weakened by Earth's stock, that Cal's great-grandfather and grandfather killed their mo- their Earth mother in the birthing process, but Jorel and Cal's mother survived. And both Cal and Jorel had no powers, and Jorel was killed also for trying to reason with the Sovereign. Mm. Uh, to be like, hey, let's maybe not. Don't ensla- reason with the Sovereign. <laughs> enslave all humanity. <laughs> um, hey, baby, you want to kill all humans? <laughs> Or just throwing out Futurama references on day to day. Apparently. Uh, so, Cal's distraught by this. He seeks out the rebellion group led by L. Mysterious L. Uh-oh. Um, Is he bald? Well, uh, he does. Cal gets to meet Lois again. She's part of this group. And Cal proves his worth for the cause by taking Lois to some kryptonite that doesn't affect Cal because he's too human. But he knows it would kill his great-great-grandfather. So, after proving himself, Cal finally gets to meet the leader, L. And I thought it would be Lex, just like you did. But dun-dun-dun, uh-huh, uh-huh. it's Jimmy Lois. Wilson. Oh, what? Lois is L. Lois is L, yeah, which is like, well, I guess that's not really much of a mystery. But <laughs> Einhorn um. is Finkel. Finkel is Einhorn. <laughs> uh, Cal tries to talk reason to Garel again. This time in the bedroom while Garel has a young lady there and Cal is shot by a guard in the face and Garel torches some other guards with his heat vision and then finds out that Cal had kryptonite on him the whole time and could have killed him but instead he tried to reason with his great great grandfather so Garel is moved he gives Cal a proper burial in the sun I think he just throws him in the sun like Superman would do with a lot of things (laughs) And then he decides to fly off into space to look for her happiness for himself somewhere else. But we end on Lois rallying the rebels and a quote from Albert Camus. Dennis, if you'd read number two. All right. Should I do a French accent? Camus no, is French, it's a right? very short quote. <laughs> Freedom is nothing else but a chance to be better. Enslavement is a certainty of the worst. Yeah. Of the worst. I'll just do it regular. Sorry. No, that's so fine. We'll terrible. stick with that one. All right. <laughs> Yeah, but so I don't know. Like, there's some, definitely some interesting ideas here and stuff. In the backup story, we get a grown and terrifying Superman landing in the fifth dimension, and all the Mixie imps that live there see him as doomsday. And so Superman uh. rips up a Mixie house that's in a tree. He also fights King Mixie's dragon. King Mixie and crew do eventually knock out Superman, put him back in his ship, and send him to Earth where he they think he belongs. And then a statue is constructed for King Mixpitalik. And the drawings are really fun and cartoony. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if you have anything to say about the art, or as we're going here through the... It feels you know, very, like, Alice in Wonderlandy, I guess. Like, yeah, it felt like a children's storybook. Uh, yeah. Or, you know what it reminds me of? I can't think of the artist's name but like uh who d- who did the illustrations with like the wizard of Oz oz series oh um i'm not sure yeah. I, I don't know if i've already did i already tell this story on the podcast or not but like uh 
my mom would read that the, that book series to me at night when I was a kid. And one of my favorite, or like one of my first drawings that I felt proud of was like trying to copy the end papers drawing that like was just like very detailed and a lot of characters like so it was like just me looking at a drawing and drawing it but like I was like, cool yeah, yeah. With it. the internet says ww denslow i don't know if that's sounds correct to me but sure william wallace denslow mm. let's see here This might not be who you were thinking of, but John R. Nell Neil is who I'm thinking of. I think oh. if you look up his John illustrations. Oh, huh, yeah, he draws a different style. Yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, so now Dennis, uh, the, the fun part happens of uh, <laughs> pick a number between. Oh wait, and you can let's open number two that says "Don't look," but don't click Good any boy. farther. Pick a number between Whoa. one and six. Uh, let's do three. Number three. I figure out which one that is. Do I open it? Yeah. So we're going to talk about the Deathstroke, the Terminator, annual number three. Uh, this cover is crazy because it looks like <laughs> Deathstroke's making a 9-11 happen. Yep. <laughs> That's definitely going on there. This is a classic. You know how like everyone's like, uh, there's the theory that... Back to the Future predicted 9-11. Um, Is that in Back to the Future? There's oh, the twin there's a video about how the Back to the Future one. predicted 9-11. Um, <laughs> but Deathstroke the Terminator is clearly predicting 9-11 in this. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of just an unfortunate situation of using real-world geography somewhat for these backgrounds, and it, it's... This is Deathstroke the Terminator. What if uh, he was Mad Max, essentially? Like, it's a post-apocalyptic type story. Um, I didn't even know Deathstroke had, like, uh, a series at this point. This is, I think, the third annual of his that we've covered on the podcast. I pay attention. Well, that's okay. okay. I've probably said this three times, though. No, I don't know. That's... that's (laughs) That's hilarious, though, to me. But, um, okay. Uh, I don't know that he should still have a series at this point. I don't know by next year that he'll have a series that we'll have an annual for. The title for this one is Journey's End. And like you mentioned, the cover has one of the World Trade Towers burning in the background. So there's these creatures called genetics. They're like mutants. And uh, there's this... It's a post-apocalyptic story. There's a fight that starts with them and Deathstroke in the Library of Congress... And then they crucify Deathstroke at the White House. He burns at the stake. At, and at this point, I guess in the story, he had already lived to be over 200 years old. I don't understand what Deathstroke's powers <laughs> are or if they are different in this story versus like normal right. continuity. Is it just normal for characters to live over 200 years? Like <laughs> Kal-El's grandfather. But yeah, we got two stories in a row here with them living for. It's like um, Edgar Rice Burroughs. Every character he wrote was immortal and is like never like. Um, really explained why like why is tarzan immortal why is john carter immortal i don't know that's interesting but yeah so he's crucified though and he's burned at the stake and he's basically like a skeleton and they throw him on top of a pile of bodies at arlington cemetery and slade somehow heals under the bodies the dead bodies and rises victorious what i don't get now about that 
is if he has these like Wolverine healing powers, why does he have like an eye patch? Well, because he's part cyborg. I I think he's like absorbing the other like dead bodies like human material. I don't know. It's really weird and gross. Uh, he's like why can everything heal except his eye? Yeah, because that's that's uh just he likes it like that. It looks cool, Dennis. It's the nineties. Okay. All right, because it's cool. Because yeah. he looks like Cable. All right. But he, he's shouting, never again, as he rises out of the pile <laughs> oh of bones. Oh, my gosh. Inappropriate. <laughs> he's saying, always remember. <laughs> never forget. Yeah. Never forget. Um, okay. So that... <laughs> we jump even more forward in time. Or, like, I don't know. This is, like, just text that was in... These are also, like, fever dream notes, some of the stuff. But, like, I think in the comic he's saying that... He's alive for over 500 for 500 years and virtually insane for the past 300 years. <laughs> There's a casual mention to the terrorist wars of 08. Um, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> but uh, moving on with the story, he finds an underground city of humans. He convinces them to try to escape. They raise a bridge to get out of the area and Deathstroke's like in a helicopter or something, and he plans to nuke Washington, all the genetics slash himself. I think there's a thing in this where the genetics, the mutants or whatever, part of their reason they can't be killed or something because their DNA is borrowed from him. Or I, I don't know. Weird. They're his um, dead boys or whatever. Yeah. So he's just planning to take himself out and all the genetics with him. But he sees a baby that was left behind. So he saves the baby. And then he's an old man that's telling the story 500 years in the future. And that's that's what that one is. That's pretty crazy. That's some gobbledygook. <laughs> yeah. Um, I am super, though, looking forward to the new Mad Max movie, the Furiosa Oh, saga. yeah. That'll I'm be awesome. I'm curious how that'll work. All right. So we have one, two, four, five, or six. <laughs> Uh, you know what? Let me go find a pair of dice. We'll do this. You only random need one style. die, but yeah. Yeah, I'll, I'll find a die. Yeah. Okay, I'll wait. All right, I got my die bag. Okay. You got a six-sider in there? I'm sure I do. The standard? Yeah, standard. All right. Anything but a three? Uh, one. Okay, one is going to be Detective Comics Batman Annual number seven. All right. Batman. Batman. More like Pirate Man. This is probably my favorite of the Batman annuals and maybe very high on favorites overall. Like, unfortunately, it's written by Chuck Dixon, who's kind of a, uh, a right wing, like, comic skater guy now or something. Oh, really? But, uh, but it's Batman as a pirate. Pirate Leatherwing is his name. <laughs> I like this cover. I, he's. Well, and the cover art is the same that does the interior. Uh, the art's really good. Enrique Al- Alcatena, I don't know that I'm saying his name correctly, but he's an Argentine comic book artist that he did a few issues of things here and there. But this one's really nice. Um, yeah, the splash page is really, really good. Yeah. It looks like um, Denny O'Neill style or something. Oh, yeah, that's a good call. Um, I just thought it was very illustrative. Reminds me of, like, pulp illustrations. Very decorative mm-hmm. at times. 
All the drawings of Pirate Joker or the Laughing Man, as he's called in the story, are especially good. I almost just wanted to include like every single one of those to send you, like starting with image three, I think, or four. Oh, yeah. Whoa, those are crazy. Yeah. Yeah. There's also a pirate Catwoman who, in the story, pretends to be a lady in distress as part of Joker's plan to find Leatherwing's hidden K, where he's taken all his treasures from sacking ships. And there's also a boy Robin inspired by Leatherwing. My favorite line is he's fighting some drunks in the street and he goes, your eyes are dulled by drink and you're, and you fence like a blind man buttering bread. I don't know. It's <laughs> a good insult. So Catwoman falls for Leatherwing and tries to stop the plan that they set in motion, but it's too late. But then Leatherwing is still able to skewer the laughing man. And that's, that's how that one ends but it's just a really good swashbuckling tale the way everyone speaks feels you know in a fun comic book way uh authentic kind of thing i don't know batman and catwoman like kiss while he's steering the boat under the moonlight and stuff yeah nice yeah this is good art i like it this one seems fun yes that that was a really good one i i really love the the last image of the Joker, I th- that's like him supposed to be like underwater as he's skewered, and it's like he's still laughing uh, even though he's dead and underwater. He's he's the laughing the pirate man who laughs. All right, you got that dice ready? Got it. Five. What is five? Five is another Batman comic. Batman Legends of the Dark Knight Annual Number Four. Citizen Wayne. And it's basically literally Citizen Kane, but Batman, um, which <laughs> okay, is fine. Yeah. Like that's, you know, if, like, like, you know, Treasure Island, but you had Muppets, but it, it's like it's <laughs> Citizen Kane, but it's Batman. Yeah. I didn't, when it, when I saw that the title was Citizen Wayne, I didn't even think that they would go there. I was like, okay, it's like... <laughs> Yeah. They made that joke, but I didn't think they would actually do the, the whole movie. There's So there's a new young DA that's investigating the death of Harvey Dent and Bruce Wayne. Both of them fell from a building, and both in costume. So there's some mystery. Uh, in this Elseworld, Thomas Wayne fought the attacker from Bruce's childhood, and he was still killed, but Martha and Bruce both survived. Uh. Also, I guess he protected... Uh, Martha's pearls, because the pearls in the image there are unbroken. He, <laughs> I see. Yeah, you don't get that. Classic. Are they the rosebud? I don't know if there's a rosebud. Maybe it's not entirely one to one. I don't know. But uh, so Martha made sure that Bruce didn't risk being a hero growing up. So that kind of affected how Bruce Wayne ended up. But Bruce did go after the gangster family, Mar- the Maroney family, with his newspaper. So he's yeah. a newspaper. He's a newspaper man. Yeah, and then his childhood friend, Harvey Dent, tried to take Maroney to court and failed. And in this story, uh, Dent is no-face instead of two-face because acid ended up all over his face from Maroney. Oh. Um, and Gordon was there as well, and he got like shot and scarred too. So he, they didn't go for one face. They went for no face. <laughs> I made up no face. I don't, it's not in the comic. Some things oh, are just, yeah. he's just disfigured is how they, 
I think there's one image towards the end of him with his acid face. So yeah, Dent becomes a vengeful Batman with a face fully covered by a gold bat and Bat Dent kills Maroney. But Bruce is like, Harvey, you've gone too far. You can't be killing people, you know? So Bruce decides to dress as a samurai to confront Harvey Dent and they fight on a rooftop (laughs) and then they both fall to their death. This fight was Um, witnessed by that new DA I mentioned who is like in the shadows the whole comic but at the end is revealed to be Dick Grayson. Oh, Dick Grayson. <laughs> um I I just want to say like a billionaire just deciding with no training at all he can dress up like a samurai and stop and have a fight on a rooftop is more accurate than <laughs> Batman. Yeah. Well, he did box with Harvey they established in the comic, but yeah, it's kind of a leap. I I do I do really like the page where he kills Maroney and you see his face there. He takes off his bat mask. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, That's a messed up face. All right, Dennis, you got the dice ready? All right. What do do we have left, Steven? Did we do two already? I don't think we did. We did one, three, and five. Justice League America, annual number eight. Justice League lives. Or the once and future Justice League. <laughs> so Fa- Fa- Faust, Faust is how you say that name. Faust is a bald magic guy who kills all of the Justice League with a bomb. Okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> Why doc- didn't anybody think to do that before? Well, yeah, you know. <laughs> um, Dr. Martin Jonas is an old guy with the beard who's telling uh, a group of insurrectionists the story of this. They're called the Children's of Justice, and they include Jimmy Olsen and Ted Kord. But this is taking place 100 years after the bomb. So, um... Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, so, it's an Elseworld. Yeah. There's some big, muscly robocops who show up to break things up. They're basically like SS Stormtrooper guys but they look kind of goofy. I don't know. Yeah. They look very goofy. Also, another story where people live forever. Faust, Faust is still alive at this point. Uh, and he's bored with having conquered the world now that he has to actually like run it. And so... Yep. Classic villain problem. Yeah, he's thinking he needs a new crew of Justice Leaguers. And it turns out there are a bunch of new stand-ins for the Justice League. They, they go to rescue Ted Kord from Rikers Island before he can be executed. But it's a trap. The jail's empty, and a bomb goes off. Bombs like to go <laughs> off. But the new jail, Justice League, they, they escape, and they do not die. And Superman burns. The Justice League lives in the wall with his heat vision. Superman has red hair. It seems like Wonder Woman also has red hair. The Flash is bald. They're different people, you know, but they have similar power sets and stuff. But Batman's just a guy, I guess. Yeah. It seems like a long way to go to, like then come up with all the same people you know yeah that's that's true like why not just create new characters you're saying yeah why tell this long story to get to like superman again well there is a slight difference with this superman though he's a luther (laughs) no (laughs) um superman is actually evil and he's uh working with faust is in the story um uh a twisty twist Faust tries to blow up the new Justice League again, but this time at the same spot as the old one. Um, and what a bunch uh, of dummies. Don't go to that spot. <laughs> yeah, so Superman reveals to everyone that he's evil. 
Dr. Jonas, the guy with the beard, reveals himself to be Martian Manhunter from the original Justice League. He's <laughs> still around. So the, the bomb happens, the blast happens, but it doesn't kill... Because it's in the same place... Comic books are hard to describe. But, um, <laughs> uh, souls, or at least floating skulls of the old Justice League, like come out, and then they drag Faust and the new Superman to hell or something. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I there's pictures there. You can, I can I have proof. I uh, mean, you're describing what I see. Uh. Um. <laughs> then there's a backup story drawn by Evan Dorkin, much much more fun oh, than the rest of the comic. I wish it was written by him as well, but it's called Attack of the O Squad. So it's Starro leads an attack with Metallo, Kimo, Urkemo, Amazo, Sinestro, Titano, Bizarro, Etcetera. <laughs> uh, Etcetera. That's a good one. Um, and, but the Justice League, like, they don't know this is going on. They're, like, bored playing board games and stuff. The O Squad is, like, fighting amongst themselves. And then it ends with Lobo showing up. So it's just a fun little story. Cool. Yeah. All right. That's we got two numbers left, I think. Yep. Uh, we have four and six, six and four. Yep. All right. Uh, you could just pick. If, yeah, we'll do uh, do an order. We'll do four and then six. Okay. And uh, number four is another Justice another League Justice story. League. <laughs> story. Justice League International <laughs> Annual Number Five. At this point, have has Grant Morrison kind of started doing his justice league with no nope. superman okay that hasn't started yet no no that's a little bit later i think although it is long-haired superman period that when it starts and then he's blue superman and yeah i don't think they were happy about that in the justice league <laughs> thing to have to deal with yeah that must be super frustrating all right so this one's called no rules to follow so it's a what if i mean elseworlds if justice league international was the x-men Feared and despised by the rest of the world. They're led by DC's Magneto, Neil Emerson, a.k.a. Dr. Polaris. He does <laughs> magnet stuff, I guess. That's funny that they're just like, I just want to write X-Men. Yeah. Uh, so they're first, they try to create a good team to like establish, like, no, heroes can be good. But then they like, like try to go stop a nuclear plant from exploding, but they fail. And so, like... Then they decide to just basically become justice terrorists or freedom fighters, as they call themselves. And then there's, a lot there's... Of terrorism happening in these <laughs> comics from the '90s, in ways that wouldn't happen in the early 2000s. Yep, yep. I mean, we did just in Superman comics have Metropolis like bombed to like nothing. Um, Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> okay, but uh, so then on the other. The good guys, or the bad guys, from the point of view of the Justice League, <laughs> uh, they're led by Bruce Wayne's money slash weapons, and uh, they're it's like a they're called the Control Squad, and they're led by Ted Cord, Blue Beetle, and a Booster Gold with the name of John Michael Carter, and I have no idea, who, like John Michael Vincent, I don't know who this person is supposed to. Be. I don't know. It, huh? Well, or yeah. is that Booster Gold's name? And I, I just thought his name was Booster Gold. Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, but then 
So the Justice League International, like, they can't agree with each other. So they kind of split into two factions, like good and evil, kind of like X-Men and mutants, you know. The evil half plan to attack the UN. And the good half try to stop this attack, but they get blamed and captured. And then it's like, uh, well... Uh, I don't remember the character's name, but the elongated man. In this story, um, they don't establish that he has any powers necessarily, or at least he doesn't show that, but he's involved a lot. And then also, I guess he's there's like a reveal at the end that he's married to Lois Lane. But anyway, he's he's like, they have to call in the big guns. They go to get Superman in Antarctica. And Superman's just hanging out there like on a throne that he made, and he's in a torn dress shirt and pants. And he's just like very 90s and yelling at everyone and stuff oh yeah here's the note that i made i had a hard time reading this comic just following the story there's very 90s art and there's like four different inkers but it ends with the justice league the good one forming and that that's the end of that story all right so number six is the last one for this group this outing it's a Catwoman annual number one Catwoman's got a series A lot of of Batman in this comic, though. Um, And it's called The Last Man. Batman is a knight slash lord named Timon Vicker in the year 1275 AD. He's waging war on Selene's leader, Ra's al Ghul. Ra's turns into a Catman. And Timon has killed Ra's eight times previously and now kills him for the ninth and final time. That's how it works. Timon... And Pumbaa, no, Timon is injured and loses an eye in the battle. And then he runs into Talia, Ross's daughter. And now she has the ability to turn into a Catwoman because it passes on like that. Oh, oh, so Catwoman is Talia instead of Selena. Mm-hmm. In this story. Maybe Catwoman will be other people in other stories. She's able to show Timon that uh, the Selenes have been blamed for crimes committed by highway gangs. So Talia and Timon save, take turns like saving each other. And then they like sex each other. And then Timon tells his father the truth about the Selenes, but the fa- his father doesn't believe him. And then he's killed by Talia, which is a weird move. But then Talia is killed by an archer and the war is over. <laughs> but Talia has eight more lives, maybe. Hmm? Uh, yeah. yeah, probably. Yeah. If I understand anything about cat women. Mm-hmm. Um, the Batman guy looks a lot more like Deathstroke than Batman. <laughs> he does, he does. <laughs> Especially after he gets the eye patch and he's just in his like underpants and uh, white hair, rocking in the winter weather. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of when she's in the Catwoman mode, like her licking <laughs> him and stuff. <laughs> There's just some strange stuff going on in this uh, comic. That's hilarious. Also, her cat ears are so huge. I mean, they are elf ears. Yeah, yeah. This is definitely like just like I wanted to make high fantasy, like a high fantasy thing. There's also a very brief like crocodile or alligator fight that Batman has towards the end. Like uh, that happens. But yeah, and right before she gets shot with arrows, she's like licking the blood off his face again, licking his room. Yep. Okay. So. <laughs> That was that was very Conan. <laughs> All right, ready to move on to another Superman annual, though. Adventures of Superman annual number six. My question nice. for you, Dennis, in this comic, where is Wally West hiding? 
Uh, he is hiding. Like a up your butt. What? Up your butt. No, I meant more like a city. <laughs> <laughs> He's hiding in. Uh, Coast Give me a second city. chance at a blind guess here. Yeah. He's hiding right behind you. It's flash, you can do it. Okay, do you want the choices? <laughs> yeah, I said Coast City. That was my oh, guess. Oh, Coast City, yes. Well, these are real world cities, so I'll throw these uh-huh. at you. A, Seattle, Washington. B, Portland, Oregon. Or C, Santa Rosa, California. <laughs> I would love if he was in Santa Rosa. Uh, I think he's in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, he's a cool guy. He's in Portland, Oregon. <laughs> <laughs> what is happening right now? <laughs> oh, man. We've only just begun. <laughs> okay, so it's the Adventures of Superman Annual number six. The Super 7 Part 1. That's not a confusing title. The Longest Night. <laughs> um, Carl Kessel, writer. Brock L. Hoare, penciler. Cart. Uh, Kurt A. Schultz, Inker. Have I already talked about aliens and invasions already in this? No, okay. you have not mentioned aliens yet. Okay, so this one has alien invasions stories. <laughs> the aliens are called the Horde. Horde's leader is Grendel. G-R-E-N-D apostrophe L-L. Uh, okay, so like Grendel, but different. Yeah. Uh, makes a decree that a thousand civilians will be killed anytime a metahuman is sighted. And 5,000 more if metas fight back. And uh, then they do good on their promise and they make Coast City the killing ground. And among the over 7 million killed is reporter Lois Lane. Uh, Things are never good when Lois Lane dies. Um, And then I guess I'm going to have you uh, read number three, Dennis. (laughs) Is this... This is narrator. Is this also Rod Serling? No, it's... Like how captions just they don't have a specific person telling the story. The lesson of Ghost City, as it came to be called, was quickly learned. In a frightened burst of self-preservation, the world turned against its only hopes. Anyone wearing a costume was fair game. Even governments lend a hand for the good of the general populace. There are only rumors about what happened next, of the heroes who gave up. Who left for other worlds, other realities, shrinking from our memories until they were no more than myths. Yeah. Over that narration in the comic, we get visuals of uh, green arrows crucified. There's a lot of crucifixions going on. <laughs> Flash's legs are broken by a mob. Hawkman so and... Him. What? Nothing. What did you say? I was... Just like thinking of Jesus Christ Superstar. So it was like, crucify him. Um, I thought they said like no metahumans, but uh, obviously these aliens aren't big DC nerds because they don't know that Green Arrow is not a metahuman. He's a regular human. Well, okay. It's more, these are like, the the metas fight the aliens, but then these are like civilians and the government going after like killing the metas on their own because they don't want to lose more people Uh. but you're correct that oliver quinn does not have any superhuman abilities that i know of but yeah hawkman and hawk girl are gunned down some heroes we see leaving and then but batman stays behind in the shadows continuing his work as he do because the horde in many ways are a superstitious and cowardly lot (laughs) Uh, (laughs) 
it, it, in fact, it does kind of say that in the comment too. <laughs> uh, so yeah, the aliens take over. They're successful. They enslave humans. Lex Luthor with the beard. They keep using like young Lex Luthor versions in these comics, which is confusing. But I guess that's where we're at. He acts as the human ambassador to the aliens. But it's a trick. Look, Lex tries to attack with some non-metas. He's got Selena Kyle, Jim Harper, Dick Grayson, Ace Morgan, Slade Wilson, among others. So they. So they, Slade Wilson is not a meta-human, even though he lived to be <laughs> well, like 500. Hey, uh, <laughs> anyway, he, he tries this attack, but everyone gets killed, including Lex. So that didn't work out so well. Nine years later, cut to Jimmy Olsen with an eye patch. Fighting some xenomorphs now. Yeah, the aliens are going to kill him, but he's saved by Counselor Lana Lang. She's working with aliens, but secretly part of the resistance. Wow. Lana. Mm-hmm. Lana. Who would who'd have thunk it? Lana takes Jimmy to Superman in hiding. Superman's using the name Clark Small. Um, <laughs> Clark Small. Uh, Jimmy has a Is note he from Kentville. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. Uh, Jimmy has a note from Lois, and it's got some of her hair with the note. So, like, it says that she's still alive. And Superman's oh. like, "Oh boy, this is just what I waited for." So he flies out with Jimmy, and then Wonder Woman shows up. She's like, "Hey, I heard we're doing stuff," and. Uh, Jimmy gives them all leather jackets because they need to be in disguise because of that no metas rule. Nice. That's uh, what makes it an Elseworld. Cool leather jackets. Oh, this cover's by Mike Mignola. Did I say that already? <laughs> it's like, a good cover. Yeah, yeah. All the heroes. Um, I think it's funny because like, later on in the 2000s or whatever, they give Wonder Woman a leather jacket, right? I don't hate the design of the Wonder Woman in this comic, I'll be honest. But it's it is pretty nineties. Uh Wonder Woman. Oh oh Batman. He's a terrorist in Texas. He's blown up an oil refinery. And Superman does the Batman versus Superman Donna Justice thing where he stands in front of the Bat says, Tank Mobile. What? Oh wait, no, that's Batman who says that, right? He's like, Do you bleed? Yeah. And Batman's annoyed. He's been fighting for 10 years, and they've been in hiding. Dennis, if you could read number four, Batsman. Batsman. Look, you two have fun with your little war, okay? Because I know the minute it isn't fun, you'll turn your back on this mudball again. Yeah. <coughs> oh, I don't, I don't ever mean to hurt your voice by having you do the reading, Dennis. I committed to that insane Batman voice. It's not my intention. <laughs> Batman is definitely borrowing some of the design from the Bats Riel. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I. Oh, you know what Batman is doing in this one? I think all this those looks... pou- all those pouches and stuff. This is exactly how like Superman looks in the Doomsday Hunter Prey miniseries. He's got like all that crap on him. No. Oh. And the the headgear he's got on looks a lot like how Zack Snyder has Batman look in that future world. Sure. Um, but we move on to Ghost City. Uh, Ghost, formal, City. Ghost City. Hal's 
personally trying to bury all seven million dead and he's getting uh heckled by some aliens as he's doing it um so wonder woman jimmy and superman show up to help also batman he changed his mind he's there oh and then also superboy but nobody knows him uh after reading this comic and the sequel that is the superboy annual I think I'm okay with super mullet instead of flat top Superman because I really hate like the crew cut, like looking like he's in the army Superman. Yeah, I'm not liking this design either. Yeah, but I do like um, the like very like uh, Karate Kid looking Superboy. <laughs> That's a good call. So Superboy, he's an unknown entity. He can't be trusted. And Hal uses his ring and throws Superboy to Hawaii. What a coincidence! <laughs> and then. They all hop in the Batmobile and go to Portland, Oregon, where Wally West is. Uh, Wally West, he's got, like, braces on his legs, so he can't really run anymore, but he can walk. I don't know, they're, like, kind of robotic-looking braces. Also, he has a a flash ring, but it just has his kid flash uniform in it. So, anyway, they convince him to join, and off they go to Metropolis. Superboy's already there, and he took out aliens. But some of them got away, which isn't good, because then they'll tell everybody else about the heroes or whatever. And at the Resistant headquarters, a giant floating hologram Luther head appears. He didn't die. He got put into Metallo's body. He even jokes, it sounds like a bad movie. They saved Luther's brain, which I think we made way back when we had the Luther brain thing. So Luther was inspired by Superman to be a man of steel. And now he goes by the name Metalex. Okay. And the team's all together. And Metalex blasts Superman with a, a little kryptonite just for funsies. Anyway, we'll get <laughs> Just to... as a reminder, <laughs> I'm a monster. <laughs> we'll get part two in Superboy Annual number one, which will be the last comic we'll cover. So oh boy. <laughs> back to random numbers, Dennis. Alright. No peeking. Number two. Number two is batman annual number 18 nice is this another mignola cover yeah this one is which it's batman in the time of leonardo da vinci and he's got some da vinci drawings around him and under the mona lisa mignola even wrote da vinci so that you know that that (laughs) got a credit da vinci build his bat suit in this well, geez, what, should I even describe what happens? <laughs> ah, I just got excited. Sorry. <laughs> so it's Florence, 1490. G- Giovanni is the father of Thomas and the patron of the arts to Leonardo da Vinci. Thomas's parents are killed and he goes under Leonardo's care. <laughs> so I gotta just get the, <laughs> what's happening. Uh, in the present day storyline, the Mona Lisa is being held for ransom in Gotham by a pencil-mustached museum curator and some thugs. Um, like the present present? The Batman present, 1994. Why? Okay, whatever. It's connected by the Mona Lisa painting. So yeah. part of it is in the era of Da Vinci. Part of I don't understand why you need to jump to the 90s. Like, Just tell your Elseworlds story in like the Renaissance, right? This one isn't the worst crime of that. There's one that really breaks my brain later, and we'll talk about but um anyway so batman in 90s batman 90s batman goes undercover and discovers that mona lisa theft was inside job 
uh, back in Da Vinci time, Tomas has grown Did up. Did Norton do it? <laughs> yeah. Leonardo is painting the Mona Lisa, and the model is kidnapped by some the same guy that killed Thomas's parents. What a coinky dink. Yeah. Joe Chill, but Renaissance version. <laughs> yeah. And in the 90s, again, because we're jumping back and forth a lot, uh, the art curator discovers there's an underpainting hidden in the background of Mona Lisa. A pentimento, as they're called, I guess. Back in Da Vinci time, Tomas becomes Renaissance Batman, inspired by Leonardo's drawings, <laughs> and he rescues the Mona Lisa model. Pre- uh, 90s, <laughs> Batman stops the thugs and the curator from revealing the underpainting of Yield Batman. Okay, I miss reading... <laughs> this at first in the story because i had covid <laughs> but uh maybe pages stuck together but leonardo paints batman the renaissance batman in the background it's that first page after the cover like that's what is in the painting uh-huh. it's to honor tomas and then while he's doing this mona lisa sitting you know for the painting and she admits that she's pregnant and that leonardo's the father and then Tomas is the one who paints over the old Batman saying for a masterpiece such as this to be sullied by an image as dark as mine would be profane. So it's got to <laughs> keep it a secret. And then after Batman rescues the painting, this is my favorite part. Gordon smokes a cigar while holding the Mona Lisa painting. Nothing wrong with that. While touching it with his bare hands, it's oily hands. Mm hmm. That's so weird. I don't, I still don't, like, it's an Elseworlds. You don't need the Batman 90s frame. I, yeah, I, I get what you mean, but it, it kind of helps to make it full circle. There's some other parallels that they try to do in the storytelling, but the Renaissance Batman uses, like, the flying wings that Leonardo had drawn, and Batman, to get to the penthouse, like, apartment, has to, like, do some gliding. I don't know. Okay. Uh, Anyway, I'm ready for another number, Dennis. Number six. Six. That's got to be... Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you look upset to he- to see this. Team Titans annual number two. Uh... So Team Titans... This is probably a question I asked last year. I have no idea. <laughs> Team Titans is different from Teen Titans. Well, Teen Titans is the new Teen Titans, I think is what they're... I I don't know. I don't... It's... I don't know. <laughs> but, don't ask me questions. But this story is called Into the Light. It's Star Wars. There's two writers on this one. Three pencilers and three inkers. That's fun. Oh, good lord. Let me just... This is things that are in, in the comic. Darkness of Chaos. Oranos and Gi. The Sky and the Earth. That's like the crawl text crap that's a the start of it so lord chaos made battle planet he put his face on the planet it destroys other planets with the aid from a black hole or something maybe there's a lone ship that gets attacked by bad guys doesn't this sound even the power to destroy an entire planet pales before the power of the force Uh uh-huh well there's nothing called force but um there's a lone ship getting attacked by some bad guys you know maybe we should open on that and then red wing is given a bracelet containing Prester John. It, it talks. And Red Wing gets away in a, an escape pod. But the commander, Miri, or Mirage, the Princess Leia, um, she's captured and tortured. Red Wing lands on Planet Squalor and meets Luke Skywalker, a.k.a. Charlie Watkins. 
And there's a red-haired Wolverine guy named Battalion, who's Obi-Wan, I guess. <laughs> and Lord Chaos reveals to Miri she is pregnant while torturing her. Richard Grayson, who's dead, is the father. Uh, the ragtag group that we got, they're saved by a vampire named Dagon, the Han Solo. They fly away inside his giant bat, the Knight Rider. Knight Rider. Not Knight... The Knight... I, I guess you can just call something the same thing as a thing if you put yeah. the in front of it. Anyway, this... This of junk. This giant bat is basically his Chewbacca and Millennium Falcon in one. I'd rather kiss a Wookiee. <laughs> I'd rather kiss a giant bat. It's more... They get inside That's... the bat to fly into space. Like, it's more like the creatures All they these would... people are going to get a unique <laughs> new disease from this. Yeah. Charlie turns into pure energy and shoots the enemy with some aid from Battalion. He's getting trained in his powers. Lord Chaos uses bounty hunters, judge and jury. Those are guys who have either skull helmets or exposed skulls. I don't, I don't know. The group gets tracked and taken aboard the skull ship. Lord Chaos appears via hologram. The fighting starts, and Chaos says, Yawn, boring, call me when all the silliness is done. So it's like, if your villain in the story doesn't even care about the <laughs> tension of the... Anyway. I feel like this story would help, though, to, like, know who any of the regular versions of these characters are, you know? like Yeah, I have no idea. And there's several <laughs> comics like this where it's like, I don't know the starting off... Like, I know who Batman yeah. is. That's an easy one. Yeah. Like, Batman in a new world, I get. A new world of characters I've never met before. Yeah, who I only check in with on these annual comics at most. This is, all this is, is bad Star Wars. It's not anything, there's no other layer to it. Yeah, well, it's still got more bad Star Wars. So, Battalion burns up Judge, uh, Mirage gets on the Bat ship. Or no, wait, she's on the ship that they got boarded onto. Charlie rescues her, Red Wing turns into a... Or changes from a humanoid with wings into a giant red bird creature called Warhawk. Terra is also a character who does Earth stuff. I don't I don't know. Um, <laughs> it looks like Judge is going to strike down Battalion, but Charlie blasts Judge and Knight Rider grabs Battalion with his tongue. Because Judge and Jury failed, Chaos has killer hunters or hunter killers. Both ways are in the comics. Um, they blow up Judge and Jury. Then the ga gang shows up at Charlie's home planet, Ion. Charlie's home planet is now one giant concentration camp. So that's fun. That's a, the, yeah, that's a bummer planet. <laughs> oh, Charlie tries to get the people to rise up, but Battalion says, you're no Newt Rockney. All right. <laughs> and then Titans show up. Other Titans. They're survivors from planets that Chaos has destroyed. They're all able to like just be out in space and they attack the battle planet. And then Charlie does a rally cry again. And Charlie with the other Ionites send an energy blast to battle planet and it blows up and Lord Chaos blows up as well. So that's that's that. All right. That was a painful one. You know what I like most about these painful ones? Is nobody made you do this. <laughs> you I chose to it. suffer. Yeah. It's true. All right, ready for a new number? Yeah. <laughs> Four. Okay. 
That is Batman Shadow of the Bat annual number two. This is like an airbrushed cover. Yeah, it's a little too much. It looks like a cover that would, or like something that would be like a trading card Batman card art. Yeah, totally. This is called The Tyrant. And it's possibly the least interesting Batman annual that I read of the bunch. So, Batman's working with Crane, you know, the scarecrow, because Crane saved young Batman after his parents were killed. Yeah. And then the first time that he tried to be Batman, he was unmasked by Joker. But get, he ended up getting embraced by Gotham, and Bruce slash Batman was named Lifetime Civic Leader. So he's just like ruling the place and what a weird title to have yep crane poisons the water to subdue criminals and wants to poison more to make half of criminals incapacitated oh fraser you bastard <laughs> it could have been niles um <laughs> vicky vale is catwoman see that's vicky, fun that's vicky, different vicky vale Clayface has a suit like Freeze, but other villains are exactly the same as usual. Why? <laughs> <laughs> Why change some, but not others? <laughs> they keep mentioning some war, but being vague about it, like that happened in the past. Anarchy is a kid with a holographic belt, and he stops the Bat Crane plan. Um, this is the comic that snuck in Mar from Sin City. I think I sent you that one. Oh, yeah. Once. You did. Yeah, that's a bad one. <laughs> there was a fun part. Not fun, but there was cranes. Like, Did you finish describing? Yeah. <laughs> okay. They The good guy succeeded, whatever. But uh, Batman, uh, he's like, hey, I'll take whatever punishment you guys want to dish out. And they like storm his castle with torches. But Crane's like talking about his poisoning the water plan and how like criminals, if you have criminal tendencies, you're going to get killed. Unless you're a kid, because it's it works like that and then crane's like well there's no reason for us to try we should have our own like uh like filtered water supply because like even though i'm sure it would not affect us you know we shouldn't risk it yeah anyway what's the next number <laughs> uh it's interesting to me that chris nolan got one of the plot points from batman begins from this terrible book <laughs> i'm sure that's where he was scouring looking for yeah, because Crane does put his the fear toxin in the water supply. In that. Uh, five. Okay, well, this is another not great one. <laughs> green uh, Lantern. Of course, it's a Green Lantern comic. Annual number three. Well, it's called Ring of Evil, and it's a bunch of Nazis. Like, uh, like Nazis. Nazis. I hate those guys. So there's a demon that gives power to SS rings and the Nazis win World War II. Guy Gardner and Hal Jordan are decorated Nazis. <laughs> Oliver Quinn is Green Arrow, leader of the Green Lanterns. That's confusing. But he passes on his title to Jon Stewart right before he gets shot in the face. Uh, the lady in charge of the Nazis is actually a demon. Hal gets a yellow ring. Guy gets a green ring. Both Nazis. They fight. John Stewart shoots the demon lady with an arrow and she explodes. Guy stabs Hal with an arrow and I think that kills him. And then John takes Hal's evil ring and Guy gets impaled on a swastika torture device. The end. Jeez. 
Did I put like twenty images in there? For <laughs> yeah, I am so far. I'm so far behind on these. From uh, usually, you describe a lot more. <laughs> well, you know when you it's put all... the effort in to take the photos of the comics. Yeah, I thought you'd want to see all these Nazis. Uh, all right, we already did four, right? I believe I can tell you what's left. Uh, this is the problem of the. Oh my gosh, these dice really like four and five, six. We already did six. I don't think. Well, hold on. We have not done. No, wait. We did six. We have number one, and number three. I think it's just one and three. So if you want to just tell me oh, okay. between those two, let's do three. All right. Woo! You picked the good one, or the kind of fun one. Lobo annual right. number two. Lobo. Yeah, our good pal, Lobo. And it's Wild West Lobo. Dennis, if you would read number five. In Elseworlds, heroes and extraterrestrial bastards, too, for that matter, are taken from their usual settings and put into strange times and places. Some that existed or might have existed, and others that can't, couldn't, or shouldn't exist. This here is one of them. Actually... Here, there's about 17 of them, all of them different. Telltales out of the Wild West, and all of them featuring the last Zarin himself. Yeah. Some of the, like, artists in this, Kevin O'Neill, Sergio Aragonis. So that's kind of cool. And all the stories are written by Alan Grant. Wow. Cool. So, I so, can't... Yeah. <laughs> what? Oh, nothing. I just... My brain was collapsing okay so i counted 18 different stories so number one is fragon trail or fragon train lobo leads a wagon train and tries to deal with native tribes then mows them down with a machine gun instead so that's that story then geronimo lobo is geronimo as well as the leader of the wagon train who kills geronimo so that um, <laughs> kind of the punchline for <laughs> it's like violence happens uh, frag him high uh, now uh, now Sheriff Lobo saves someone from being hanged and then shoots everyone including the person he saved because it was Billy the Kid I guess <laughs> and then uh, number four the lone fragger and taunt bow Lobo is both of them they ride through and kill a bunch of bank robbers. Um, what was that, Dennis? <laughs> you know what? Uh, <laughs> these are silly. Um, so, you know, I'm doing this. I'm trying to, I'm putting together a collection of my Hellarella comics. Yeah. And I've, I'm kind of of the conclusion of like, I can only really do like four of them because that's as much. They're all essentially the same, and I feel like that's a, the, as much patience as the audience can handle with this character. And then, like, you know, you come across something like this, where it's like 18 <laughs> stories that are all the same. They're like, well, just do a setup, but then Lobo kills everybody, no matter what the setup is. You're like, okay, well, maybe I have a little more leeway than I thought. <laughs> yeah, uh, some of these definitely like had that feeling on me of, like, well, these people seem to have no problem putting this in a comic out into the world and letting people <laughs> consume it, you know, so what's stopping me? But Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
So we're at number five. <laughs> working on the railroad. Lobo pile drives a guy's head in who sings, I've been working on the railroad. Because he doesn't. <laughs> um, this full of frag. Lobo bounty hunter is hired by two different sides and he kills both of them. Yeah, okay. I get it. He's just. <laughs> it's just the title of a Western, you know, with frag in it. And then he kills everybody. Oh. But what about the next one? Number seven, Treasure of Sierra Lobo. Lobo kills gold prospectors. Okay, this one. Uh, this one and the Sergio Aragonis ones are probably my favorite. But uh, this one's called Bonanza. Paul Cartwright has a wild night at a house of ill repute. And then he gets brought three different sons by, uh, by three different women nine months later. <laughs> and their names are Adam Haas and Little Bo. And... Little Bo, after he finds out how the inheritance works, he kills Paul, Adam, and Haas to get the farm, and he renames it Ponderobo. Ponderobo. (laughs) (laughs) For a few frags more, number nine, there's a shootout in a cemetery, and then Lobo gives a music box to the only other survivor, and it blows up. Nice. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Number ten, the main man on the prairie. Lobo blows up Little House on the Prairie, then plans to go to church. Also to blow it up. (laughs) Number 11. The Good, the Bad, and the Bastich. Guess which one's Lobo? Uh, There's a nun that gets told to undress by a guy that looks like Lee Van Cleef. And she's wearing a bustier and like thigh highs underneath her nun outfit. And then Lee puts on the nun disguise. And he has the former nun dig up a grave that's supposed to have a treasure. Lobo is the treasure in the grave. And he shoots Lee and he leaves with the nun. Or former nun. Uh, okay. So somebody survives that one besides Lobo. Yeah. And it's not just violence. There's some sex in there. <laughs> uh, number 12. Oklahoma. So there's a running joke about the, like, that started with, like, are you Liberty Valent or Liberty... Vance? He's the man who shot Liberty Valance. Valance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's in here. I just wanted to point out. But Annie Boakley shoots everyone singing show tunes for interrupting her nap. That's what happens in that story. And then there's number 13, Gunfight at the Karaoke Corral. Lots of Lobos. Wild Bo Hickok. Uh, Wild Bo Hickok, I should say. And Buffalo Bo, Comanchair Bo, and others take turns singing at a saloon and they kill the previous singer. And then an undertaker shows up last. He's not a Lobo, but he cleans up and then he sings. This one's the one drawn by Aragonus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is great. Uh, number 14, the Fragnificent seven bandits are hired to protect the town before Pancho Lobo comes and shoots the men, takes the women, robs the bank, drinks all the beers, eats all the tortillas and destroys the cantina. So this one was kind of funny because it had a good bit of lead up of like the guys that are supposed to protect the town, like getting attached to the town and training them. But then Lobo just shows up and does everything that they said he does (laughs) every time anyway. Um, uh, Number 15, Custer's Last Stand. A native Lobo throws dynamite in a brothel where Custer is. And then uh, number 16, the man who shot the man, the running joke pays off. So it kind of starts 
you the man who shot the man who shot Liberty Valance? And the guy goes, yes, I am. And then his gun gets stuck in its holster. And the winner of that battle goes into a bar whistling and Lobo's there. And before the guy can say his whole, I'm the man who Lobo puts dynamite into his mouth and blows him up. Then he proclaims, Dennis, if you'll read number six. I'm the main man who blew up the man who shot the man who shot the man, it's frag, et cetera, right up to Liberty Frag and Valance. Stay out of my face, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a good little payoff for that joke. Um, <laughs> number 17, High Lanes Drifter, Last Desperabo, Rise into Traffic, Killed by a Semi-Truck. <laughs> and then number 18, How the West Was Fragged. History moves on until Pro- Professor Bo Bopenheimer discovers how to split the fragging atom and he blows up Earth. And we end on Lobo in space on his space bike with reins and cow skull. And Lobo's wearing a cowboy hat, shooting a six shooter, yelling, Yippee Kaye, cow dudes. All right. Bo Bopenheimer. Barbenheimer. <laughs> Barbopenheimer. I become death destroyer worlds, dude. What is it she says uh, in the movie when she's dancing that like get, makes everything get all serious? And Barbie. Like, do you ever think about death? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do you ever think? Do you ever think about Lobo? <laughs> all right, that leaves um, number one. Legionnaires that a, annual. That was a fun one. Number one. What? That was a fun one, the Lobo yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, no, that, it's fun. It is that obviously put, you know, obviously there's a lot of work that was put into that. Yeah. Like, you know. Thank you. Yeah, there's a lot of work put into <laughs> me taking my no. Oh, you meant making the comic. Yeah, yeah. This one's called Castles in the Air. Uh, John Lowe, my former SCAD professor, he's one of the four inkers on this story. Yeah, that's why he's a professor. <laughs> He took work. He, he, I know he inked a lot of Betty and Veronica. Um, he told us he didn't mention these comics so much. <laughs> um, so this is like Space Camelot. I don't know these characters in the regular book, so like none of those were. It's not good. Uh, there's a wedding between two characters, Rock Crin and Imra Ardeen, and then there's an attacker, Mecht Rands who is stopped by his brother Garth Rands. And Garth is then made into a legionnaire. But the legionnaire that let the attack happen at the wedding, he's executed and turned to smoke. Because that's what you do. (laughs) Wow. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Oh, then Imra cheats on her husband Rock with Garth in virtual space or VR. Um, I'm sorry. I thought we were doing like a Camelot thing. Space Camelot. Now we're doing like cyber sex stuff. Like Lawnmower Man. What do you think of those images? (laughs) There's some interesting poses. I don't know what they're getting out of it wearing those helmets, but there's like DNA strands behind them. It looks like. Yeah. Green gas clouds. Yeah. There's some Kirby crackle. Yeah. Okay. So that happens. Um, uh, the space station blows up, or Ace, I don't know. Stuff happens. Miracle Machine is the Holy Grail. Uh, Im- Imra finds Mech trying to get his brother Garth to join the Dark Circle. 
<laughs> is this good podcasting? What is this? Uh, they let Max go. Okay. I, I, it was supposed to be they let Max go, and then, but I wrote, they met, they let Max gland, and I was like trying to make sense of that, but it makes just as much sense. Anyway, they're found out for their, for that and their affair. Uh, Imra gives herself up to let Garth escape. Wizard Mordru the Merciless is said to have the miracle machine, and the Legionnaires of the Round Table go to check that out. Uh, Garth saves Imra from execution, but then they run into Mecht in the Dark Circle. Rock dies. You know, I spent part of today with my uh, aunt who has dementia, and there was one point where I forget what I was even saying, but she was like, what language are you speaking? And that's what you describing this comic reminds me of. It does. It feels like it. Uh, so Rock dies from his wounds by Mecht and Mecht is killed by Imra. That's the end of that story. That... All right. Okay, what did at... Mordu the Merciless discover again? Uh, he was thought to have the miracle machine, but then like that didn't exist after all or something. Okay. All right, I think that's it, right? We're done with this section. Well, that's the thing. We're halfway through, and like, so this would be a good stop. We did over half of the the books. Let me see how many we got left. One, two, three, six, seven, eight, nine. Nine more to go. So I think that would be better to save that for another episode. A nice breezy episode of. Stay Fox. tuned for part two of. <laughs> Whatever this is. We got you got two more points, so you're at four thirty two. <laughs> oh boy. Uh this was fun. Maybe. Maybe, yeah. I guess I I don't want it to be torture for you and the listeners, but I don't want it to be but it is torture for me, so maybe a little bit of torture. <laughs> You should listen to what you how you described those last that last one and be like, is this worth telling people about? Probably not, no. <laughs> but then what do I cut out? Do I cut out some random they're like, why there's why is there no number six? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Alright. Uh I guess that's it. Okay. Well, come back next time to find out how much of a Lex loser I am. <laughs> no plugs. <laughs> Alright, we'll finish this up next time. Bye, everybody.